If you got your Bibles, uh, would you turn to Malachi? Malachi, the last book of the New of the Old Testament. Would you turn to Malachi chapter three? Malachi chapter three. We are beginning a new series that I am excited about. It's a series that you probably saw coming. Uh, I'm, I'm just excited what God's doing in the life of our young church. Uh, I mean, God is, God is really doing an incredible, incredible work. Man, people are coming to Jesus. I got an opportunity to lead a lady to Christ over the phone uh, this past week. Just an amazing first-time uh, first visitor last week. And she came and, and wanted to surrender her life to Christ. And we did it. I was literally around Pete's Corner, if you know where that is, driving into Madison. And uh, she gave her life to the Lord. I mean, God is doing some incredible stuff, baptisms and, and people being added. And I, I just, there is nothing in the world that anyone could ever do to convince me that I'm not exactly where I need to be in my relationship with the Lord and where he has called me to. And so I'm humbled. Man, I recognize that all of this stuff that's happening is nothing of my own doing. I recognize it is all the activity of the Holy Spirit, the prayers of the saints. And so uh, I'm, just, I'm just overwhelmed. Uh, and so I say that to say that all three campuses at Lindsay Lane uh, are going to be led into a, a time of giving. The, the, what we are titling it for North is Seed the Vision. Uh, Seed Division is that for the next six weeks, we're going to be going over, talking about an, an area that everybody knows, right? Everybody recognizes uh, the importance of, but I don't know that all of us truly understand the gift that it is that God allows us to partner with him as a steward of the things that he's given us. Uh, and so we're gonna, we're gonna dive into that today, uh, and, and, and for the next six weeks. And here's what I want you to do. Alright? At bare minimum, I don't want you just to gloss over. Alright? At bare minimum, you hear it's about giving. I don't want you to think, well, the next six weeks, uh, we are planning a, an extended vacation, right? Uh, or it's time for me to explore other churches or what? I, I want you to tune in, okay? I want you to be attentive. I want you to listen uh, to see what God has for us in the area of giving. And it, here's why it's important. Did you know that Jesus talked more about giving than he talked about heaven and hell combined? Jesus had more conversations with people about giving than even heaven and hell combined. And when we look at that, it, 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 the why is that? Why, why is that the case? And here's why I believe it's the case. Because money has always been significant in our lives. Money has always been important. Money is something that you will think about every single day of your life. Right? You forget your wallet one time going to work. Right? You forget your wallet and your whole day is in a tailspin. I did that recently. My whole day was in a tailspin. Hey, do you want to go grab something to eat? Yeah, I'd love to. Go to get in my car. I, I can't go to eat. I don't have any money. Right? And so it's just, it's amazing how much we think about money. And, and some of it, I'm not saying sinfully, but some of it necessarily so. But, when we look at how much Jesus discussed with his disciples, I believe what we see 
is how prone that becomes, money becomes, that topic becomes in being an idol for us. It is absolutely something that we in this country worship, right? It's all about the American dream, how we can be success, how we can, how we can uh, have everything that we need, how we can be sufficient in ourselves, and, and, and honestly, that's what we're really get, shooting for, right? We don't want to depend on anybody for anything, and so we want to be sufficient in ourselves, and we'll even use our money to even pencil God out of the equation. I don't have to seek the lordship of Christ because I've got everything I need in my 401k. I've got everything I need in my career. And so I believe the reason why Jesus spoke about this is I believe Jesus understood this, understood money, understood finances to be a rival of our worship. It is a rival to God of our worship and we serve a jealous God. Listen, we know there's nothing wrong with money or having money. But the root of all evil is the love of money. It bides for our worship. And so how, what does it look like for us to bring our finances under the Lordship of Christ? And so we're going to be studying that. Uh, the, the main campus is going to be studying it as well, as well as the East Campus. Our goal is to be in this new building that we, that we just purchased, that we are renovating. Our goal is to be in there when we launch debt-free. I believe God can do it. I believe God's already kind of confirmed that through some others that have already given to it. Uh, and so what part do you have to play in what God is doing in the life of your church here in this community. And so that's what I want you to entertain. I want you to pray about it. And the reason why we're doing it for six weeks is because I want you to pray about it for six weeks. I want you to pray about where God would have you and how God would have you invest. I want that to be an open line of conversation with him. I I would want that to be uh, something between you and him or you and your spouse and the Lord of what is it that God would lead us in order to seed the vision that God has given us for this church. Man, God is doing an amazing, amazing thing. Last two weeks, man, have been high attendance marks for us. We're growing. Man, God is adding and God is doing an incredible, credible work. And if you believe that, if you believe that, I want to encourage you to pray about putting money where your mouth is. We're going to do it. My wife and I are going to do it. There's nobody that believes in the vision of what we're doing stronger than I as the pastor and my wife. And so we're going to be praying about it. We're going to be giving right alongside of it. But I want to cover this because there's a tendency in the church to do one of two things. Number one is make it an idol from the pulpit, right? where the most important thing to me is that you're giving. Can I tell you, that is not where I stand. Uh, Can I tell you this? God don't need your money, and neither does Lindsay Lane North. God will use anything in order to accomplish his purpose. What God is allowing you is an opportunity to get in on the ground level at something incredible that God is doing. And then you get to look back and say, I got to be a part, it was all God's, but I got to be a part of something special. But we see idolatry from the pulpit, right? I need to get my bills paid. I need to make sure that I have a living. I need you to give. We see idolatry that way, but we see idolatry from the seats as well. Well, he's talking about money again, and that's a no-fly zone for me.
I'm going to handle my money the way I'm going to handle my money, and there's no preacher that's going to convince me otherwise. And so I want to just alleviate both ends of that spectrum. And I want us to land somewhere in the middle where I believe God can bless us, that we can partner with him, and that God can bless us richly and bless what he's doing in this kingdom work, okay? But in Matthew chapter 3, what we're going to talk about today is just kind of an overview of giving. Uh, There's three types of giving that are mentioned in Scripture. Three types. All right, we're going to cover all three today and we'll be done. All right, the first one that we see is the tithe. All right, the first one that we see is the tithe. This is typically, you hear this discussed quite a bit in Scripture. Uh, you hear this discussed in the Old Testament quite a bit. Um, but if in Malachi chapter 3, we hear, uh, we hear addressing here about the tithe and what exactly uh, that is, right? We know that a tithe is 10%. Listen, I'm here to tell you everything that I have, everything that I am is God's. And it is an amazing deal to think that somebody would give you all that you have and only require to him for him for you to give back 10%. All of it is God's, but he requires from us as a tithe 10%. This was something that was that was established in Levitical law. Listen, I'm not the first pastor that's ever preached on money. You know that, and I know that. In fact, it happened from the very beginning we see preaching on giving. Listen to what it says in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. If you are a highlighter or an underliner in your Bible, you need to underline that last statement. That God will pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. In Malachi, the people of Israel found themselves in a very, very difficult circumstance. Right? They were disenfranchised. They were broken apart. They, they, They didn't really have a place to belong. Right? And so giving got pushed to the side. Right? I can't provide for my family. Why, why would I provide for the Lord? Why would I give this 10%? This 10% needs to be used to, to satisfy my needs. In fact, when you, when you read and study Malachi, you realize that Malachi is a whole book of discussion. Heated discussion between God and his people. And they ask a question. They question God. They argue with God, let's be honest. They argue with God in the form of questions, and then God answers their questions. Very matter-of-factly. That's a, that's, a, that's a trend in Malachi. And so they get to this area of giving, and God tells them, look, would a man rob God? You are robbing me in your tithes and your contributions. He's saying, I know that you are struggling. I know that you are fighting to make ends meet. I know the situation that you're in is dire. But 
Have you ever thought about consulting the one that ultimately is all-powerful over your needs? If you will give, if you will bring your tithe into the storehouse, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down for you a blessing until there is an underline and highlight, no more need. Have we ever thought in in our lives, have we ever thought that maybe the reason why needs are not getting met or going unmet in our lives is because our finances aren't surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. There was an old old gentleman at our church at Bethlehem when I was growing up, and, you know, we had a prayer meeting. And you know how the prayer meetings go. Everybody gets together and they flex how spiritual and eloquent they can make their prayers, right? And they pray the same thing over and over because everybody has their go-to Father, Lord, or dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, that, that, that would be mine. Uh, like, we all have our go-tos, our, 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 our Father, our Father. Like, we would ever have a conversation with somebody like that. Like, hey, uh, hey, Andrew, man, it's good to see you today, man. Andrew, man, I really appreciate Andrew, how you led right here, Andrew. It was really great, Andrew. Way to stand in for Will, Andrew. Like, we don't, we don't have conversations like that until we have conversations with the Lord. But we all have these little quirks. And I'll never forget getting together in these prayer groups. And I loved our little prayer group. But there was a man every single Sunday... Every single Sunday, he would pray, Lord, I'm not going to say his name because some of you know, know him. Uh, Lord, bless the gift, bless the giver, and bless the one who is unable to give. That's what he would say. Bless the gift. Bless. <laughs> I'm watching people that, I, that, are, that are like trying to figure out who that is because they know, they know, they've, they've been around me growing up. Uh, bless the gift, bless the giver, and bless the one that's unable to to give. When we approach our lifestyle that way, God bless me, bless the gift I give, bless me as I give, and bless me even when I can't give, what we are allowing in our life is we are allowing money to be an idol. According to scripture, the tithe is not something that we give if we have something left over. The word that is used over and over in Leviticus is first fruits. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. So the people of Israel are scrounging for everything they can even sur- to survive on. And God tells them, bring everything that you have, bring your 10% into the storehouse, and then see how much need you have afterwards. On the screen, tithing is not a financial issue. Tithing is a faith issue. Tithing has never been about a dollar amount. God looks and examines the heart. It's never been about a dollar amount. It's been about the condition of your heart. It is a matter of faith. God, I'm going to give my 10%, and it's non-negotiable. And then you hear the question all the time, well, do I... Do I tithe on my net or do I tithe on my gross? To which I would respond, whatever you want God to bless. That's what I would tithe on, all right? So net or gross, right? But God, I'm giving you the 10% right now because I believe and I trust that you provide for every one of my needs. Whether it makes sense or it not, it it, it doesn't. And I'm just going to be, I'm just here to tell you, as the times in my life, there have been times, there have been times in my life. <laughs> I meet with these benevolences, and I really think sometimes they're like, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, I get it. 
right? I've been crying in a pastor's office not knowing where I was going to get the need that I needed met. I get it. But I'll never forget every one of those times when I gave. And this isn't about, this is just testimony. When I gave because it was ingrained in me, honestly, from a child. I got a $10 allowance and my dad would give it to me in a five and, and five ones. Because I was, I was going to tithe on that one dollar. It was non-negotiable and I brought it with me every Sunday and I gave and so it was just ingrained in me. But it's amazing to see God provide supernaturally for your life. It's amazing to see that. It's amazing to see if we would give God, if we would surrender to God our finances. Again, don't hear, I've got to have your money. Here, God wants to teach you something. He wants to grow you in this area. And there are people who have surrendered everything to Christ except their wallet. But the problem is, if God has your heart, he has your treasure. And so are we willing as a first fruits? That was the example in Exodus 23. He deals with first fruits. Bring your first fruits and then test me. Just see, just try it and see if I will not provide for you. Man, my wife and I have testimony after testimony of incredible times where God has provided for us. And this is just in the area of tithe, in the area of the 10%. Listen, we're not even talking about gratitude. We're not even talking about generosity here. We're talking about obedience. This is giving that is commanded as a child of God. It is commanded from you. And then some would say, well, it was commanded, but it was commanded in the Old Testament, right? We, some of us in this room have probably heard that argument. Some of you might agree with that, that tithing is an Old Testament principle, and it's true. I mentioned before that preachers have been preaching about giving the whole, all their, their life. Uh, what we find out is tithing happened because when the people inherited the promised land, the tribe of Levi, who was the tribe that would attend to everything in the temple, everything in the tabernacle, they did not get an inheritance. They didn't get physical land to live on. Why? Because they were in the service of God. And so the 10% was meant to provide for the Levites and to provide food, to provide money, living expenses, and to provide for them, right? And so from the very beginning, from Old Testament times, these Levites, these pastors, preachers, if you want to call them that, the ones that attended to the temple, they survived on the 10% of the nation of Israel. And that's where that comes from. And so it, you're right. It is an Old Testament principle. But what would it do, what would do more for your spiritual life? Would it be to figure out a way to provide for yourself or to watch God provide for you? What do you think would bring more, give you more faith? What, what would it, what do you think it would do for your spiritual life to, to figure out a way that you could provide for yourself or to watch God provide for you? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. You can write that reference down or you can follow along on the screen. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be cursed 
will be in, our blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. God was giving Israel an opportunity to have all of their needs met. But it started with an act of faith. Will you give and trust me to provide? This is not about finances. This is about faith. And so it's an Old Testament principle. Here's what I would say. It is an Old Testament principle, but it's something that we see in the New Testament as well. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus acknowledges tithing. He talks about the people that would, they, they took it, the religious rulers took it to extremes, right? They would tithe even the smallest herbs, the cumin and the, the herbs. They would tithe a 10% of everything they had, right? And it was, it was meticulous. And he tells them, look, you tithe and that's good, but you need to be concerned about weightier issues. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians nine thirteen. Remember we said that the Levites depended on the tithe. Listen to what it says in, in 1 Corinthians nine thirteen. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their fruit, food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings. He's saying exactly what was established in Leviticus. Right? They, they eat from the food that's offered. They, they live off this tithe. And then listen to what he says in verse 14. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. This is Paul just confirming, just confirming what is written in the Old Testament. But you would say, well, I, I, I still, it's, it was established in the Old Testament. Jesus has come. So what does giving look like in the New Testament? I'm really glad you asked. Number two, the first idea of giving that we see in New Testament is the offering. The offering. 10% is an Old Testament principle. It's, I believe that it is established and continued in the New Testament based on teachings of Paul and Jesus. But it's a New Testament idea, our Old Testament idea. In the New Testament, we have this idea of an offering. Look in your Bibles in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. You've got to be careful, right? Because, I mean, people don't want you messing with their money. And immediately, people start looking for an opportunity to get out of that 10% by saying... Well, that's an Old Testament idea. I get to give whatever I feel like giving. That's absolutely true. (laughs) Once the 10% is established, let's look at an offering. Let's look at an offering. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 15. And you Philippians, yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Paul is writing to the Philippians and he's telling them, look, you are the only ones that partnered with me. Uh, There is no language more loving that Paul uses in all of scripture than when he writes his letter with his own hand to the church at Philippi. And he's writing this letter, and he's telling them, he's thanking them for this partnership that they have in Jesus in the ministry. Listen to what it says in verse 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Right? I had need, 
and you sent it once and again. Did, did Philippi, did the church at Philippi have needs? Absolutely. But they supplied also the need on top of tithe, on top of giving for the church. They supplied the need of Paul, not once, but twice. And he says in verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I, I didn't ask for money. But I can, t- I can see what credit it does you as a partner in Jesus to be willing to give. I see your faith. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. It's an offering. It's over and beyond what was asked of you. It wasn't asked of you, but you gave it anyway, and in so doing, you were obedient to God, and you encouraged this brother. You encouraged me. And listen how he responds. And my God will supply all of your needs, every need of yours, according to his riches in glory. The tithe ends in having our needs met. The offering ends in God meeting our needs again. This is the principle of giving. If we give, we unlock the opportunity for God to work, for God to meet a need. He said, Philippians, I'm not praying for you that God would refund your money somehow, like that God would figure out some way that you'd come into the jackpot, right? That you'd win the lottery. But I know that God will supply every one of your needs. You gave an offering, not once, but twice. You did it above and beyond what was asked of you, and God will meet your need. We've got an incredible work that we're doing, getting this building ready to do ministry every single day, Monday through Sunday, seven days a week, we get to minister out of this building. We get to be in the community, literally, right? We don't have to pack up and go somewhere else. We, we are in the community. We get an opportunity to serve people in the community, to be a presence in the community. But this requires resources. What Paul is saying here is that the generosity of the Philippians provided fuel for his ministry. And so on the screen, generosity gives oxygen to vision. I believe that God has laid, when, when, when the pastor, when Dusty came into my office and began talking to me about what he wanted to see in Elkmont, there was vision there. But there wasn't reality yet. It took giving. It took generosity. It took people giving of resources and time and effort and energy in order to make this happen. But it was though that giving... It was that stewardship that allowed for this vision to come to pass. Every salvation, every life change, every rededication, every baptism, everything that happens, every phone call in this community has happened because of the faithfulness of others. And we just get to join in in the fight. Generosity gives oxygen to, vi- to vision. 
Paul was saying, look, I didn't ask for the gift, but you have met my need and I am meeting a spiritual need in others. You've met the need, you've met my need, my personal need, and you have encouraged me to meet the needs of others. This is what we find in New Testament giving. No, it's not the tithe, it's an offering. It's more than that. It's more, 10% would be the minimum, would be the baseline, would be the obedience. That's, what, that's giving obediently. But if you're gonna give gener- generously, it's going to require more. It'll require an offering. Did you know they've done studies and tried to figure out what all David purchased and how he spent money? Did you know that David personally would have spent what would account today to pretty much $21 billion in things of the kingdom? billion that David would have donated through the course of his life through everything that he purchased in today's money. That David gave. And it's not something, yes, we can be generous in a moment, but this is something that is proven through a lifestyle. Are you a generous person? Don't give just a tithe and go, well, I'm being generous. Are you giving? Yes. Are you being obedient? Yes, but generosity begins... At 10.1%. Generosity begins. If you want God to bless you, you need to be active in tithing. You need to be active in giving that 10% out of faith so that you can watch God grow you, but you don't stay there. God brings you even further along in this commitment. We see offering, but the third and final thing that we see, we see extravagant offering extravagant giving. As one person would say, painful giving. You've heard people say to give till it hurts. And listen, I want you to understand, I'm not telling you to give an offering or extravagant offering. In fact, I'm not telling you to tithe. What I'm telling you, if you want to be blessed by God, you will tithe. But this is something that can only come from the Holy Spirit for you to be generous to provide offering or an extravagant offering. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Mark 12, 41, we find a very humbling passage of Scripture. See, when we think of extravagance, we automatically think of a dollar amount. My extravagance is different than your extravagance, but we all think, when we think extravagance, we think a dollar amount. We think an amount. Listen what Jesus said about someone who gave extravagantly. Verse 41, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich rich people put in large sums of money. What we know historically about this giving There was an offering bucket that was set up. We know that the temple was the hub of operations for everything that happened in Jewish culture. And so people would come to the temple, and it was almost a spectacle to watch people give their money. And so one would come up, and so what they would do, a common practice is they wanted to make a commotion. They wanted to impress people 
by the amount of money that they gave, and so one would come in. Wow. And they just keep going. They keep going. They'd keep going. And the whole time, everyone that's around, just as Jesus was watching, because that's what people did, watched as people gave, the more that they kept putting in, the more they heard the cling, they thought, well, man, this guy is giving a ton. Man, I'm thankful for this guy in our church because he's given a ton. Another person would come up and they'd lose their money in their bag. They'd come up and they'd... Wow. That person's giving not as much as the first, obviously. They're giving, they're giving a lot. Right? You'd have another come up. And they'd have their offering. And they would make it as loud as they could. And they'd spread it out as long as they could. Finally, another. And it was a spectacle, it was a show. But they would, what they would literally do is they would go and they would get the smallest coins they could possibly get in order to make their gift. Why? Because they wanted it to be a spectacle and they wanted the praise of man. I just put in the exact same amount four different ways. I did it with four quarters. I did it with 20 nickels. I did it with 10 dimes. And I did it with a hundred pennies. And they would make this grand gesture of their giving. They had plenty and they would give large sums of money. But there was someone else that came to give that day. Listen what he says. Verse 42. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which made a penny. Nowhere near the financial amount that the others gave. Two small copper coins, which make a penny. And Jesus called his disciples together. Boys, come here. We need to talk. This is what he said. Truly I say to you, This poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of the abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. This is not a lady that after spending money on bread and and, and oil and water, came and had two pennies left. Jesus said, what she gave is more significant than all of the other show that you saw of people parading their money, dropping in coin after coin, so that you would think they were spiritual and you would think they were giving. All of those people were not generous. But this lady gave everything she had even what she needed to survive. She gave everything. 
This is extravagant giving. This is New Testament giving. Tithe is important, but what do we give out of our generosity? God is not looking for you, for me to give you a dollar amount. But every one of us know what extravagance looks like in our life. And this poor little widow giving her two pennies, her two coins that make a penny, was extravagant. Why? Because she gave all that she had. Generosity is not about an amount. It's about the heart. And when God gets your heart, he has your treasure. Test him in this. See if he won't provide for you. Open up the windows of heaven, right? That you're allowing yourself with a tithe to be blessed, right? And as you give and increase your giving, that you'll continue to be blessed by God. We don't do it for the blessing, right? All of those people parading all of their money wanted the blessing of each other. Look how spiritual I am. Look how much I'm giving, But the poor little widow knew she didn't have anything near what they had, but gave extravagantly. Gave extravagantly, and Jesus said she gave the most. Lastly, on the screen, grateful people are generous. Grateful people are generous. Generosity is when you give and expect nothing in return. But selfishness is when you give to get. If we would trust God in the area of our finances, if we would live with open hands, we would see God do incredible things, not just with the money that we gave, but do incredible things in us. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. So as we go through this season as a church, I want you to know, don't hold anything back from God. Maybe God's called you to just to begin tithing. Maybe that's what that, this step of faith looks like for you. It's, maybe God's called you to tithe and called you to begin tithing. It's something like five to seven percent of born-again Christians tithe, ever. Five to seven percent tithe regularly. Maybe God's called you to that. Maybe God's called you, in addition to your tithe, to bring an offering to him. On February the 23rd, we're going to take up a special offering for what God is doing in this area. And I just want you to pray about it. I want you to make, I want your whole family to pray about it. I want your kids to pray about it. And I want you to pray about what God would have you do to enlist what he has entrusted to you to be a part of what he's doing in this area. What he's doing across the world, what he's doing in his mission of bringing people to himself. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? You see, Jesus dealt a lot with finances because finances identify a place in our heart that we have a tendency to hold back from God. And I want you to know, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, there's no holding back from him. 
He either has your whole heart or He has none of your heart. And so a message like this doesn't compute in us if we don't, if our hearts are not already surrendered to Jesus, if He is not already beginning that process of making us new and cleaning us up from the inside out. And so if you're here and you're in this place today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know in this message on giving, you can surrender your life to Him, holding nothing back. Holding nothing back, you can surrender your life to Him. And just like in the area of our giving, if we will give to Him our heart, we will find that we will have all of our needs met. He will meet every one of our spiritual needs. You are incapable of meeting those needs for yourself. It's not about being a better person. It's not about being a bad person turning into a good person. It's about being a dead person being made alive in Jesus Christ. And so if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus in just a moment, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to that. That Jesus came, He died on the the rugged cross for you, He lived a sinless life, He did what you and I couldn't do, He died on the cross and three days later He rose again, proving, completing the story, proving that He was who He said He was. And He made a way for you and for me to be with Him in eternity. If you've never responded to that news, I, want you, I don't want you to leave this place without talking to somebody about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus. Don't leave without talking to somebody about how you can know that. That's more important than anything else. Listen, giving is just a symptom of the heart. And we're talking about your heart right now. Would you surrender that to Him? Would you have faith to believe that He will meet those needs for you, that spiritual need? of eternal life, that He would meet it for you. But maybe you're here and maybe maybe you've got idols. Maybe you've got things in your life that you're worshiping outside of Jesus. And you've removed Him from the throne of your life and you've worshiped other things, be it a career, be it money, be it finances, be it children, be it a, whatever it may be. And you made your life about something that it's not. I want you to know that you can repent of that today. You can come you can rededicate your life right i'd love to talk with somebody if they have if you have any decision that you would need to make with the lord if you want to get anything right with the lord i'm here i would love to talk to you i'm available to talk with you here at the front but we've got counselors in the back my left your right hand side of the room that are ready to talk to you right now you can make your way even right now if you need to surrender your life to jesus you need to become a Christian today, Uh, if you need to rededicate your life, if you need to get your baptism in order, if you need to join our church, we have counselors that would love to meet with you. You can slip right out and make your way to one of them. But whatever it is that the Holy Spirit would lead you to do, I pray you wouldn't let this moment slip by without responding to Him. Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for what you're doing in this place because I thank you for what you're doing in my heart. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do its complete work within us and that we would respond in obedience to you in these next few moments. Father, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing.